0: welcome to another american scouser podcast another monday i would say the gang is here but we're missing one person but we know as always alan is here and that's all we need alan says greetings from houston i am your host timushin as always and with us this week the long guy with no bickler in action is galley galley what's happening
1: Not much, just uh, hanging out here in rainy, dreary New England today, but uh, I'll take it over the oppressive heat that the people in England are complaining about getting.
0: Uh, I got the same thing going here in Chicago, quite humid over here, but I can bitch about weather pretty much any day of the year over here in Chicago. So uh, BJ is with us as well. He says, greetings, welcome to BJ. Um, So... We are missing Bickler today. He's in a business meeting dinner thing, which is a really risky, risky business, if you will, by his company. So let's see how that pans out for him. Uh, But he will be joining us later this week as we record the Premier League show. Uh, We have a lot going on on the YouTube channel that we launched last week. Uh, We had the Premier League uh, show where we started to do some previews of some of the teams. So we'll get to that. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, moving forward. But a lot's coming up this week. Obviously, our podcast, uh, we have... The fantasy shows going up this week uh, that you are part of as well, as well as I am with Mateusz, uh, where we're kind of doing the intro to fantasy on that one, kind of like setting up the basics and talking about the differences and all that kind of stuff. We will have also a podcast going out with our introducing our crew that's going to be covering LFC women are looking forward to that pretty excited about that as well and as we're gonna have the premier league show coming up like i said later this week along with a couple of other surprises along the way so if you have not done so already head over to youtube youtube.com slash american scouser does not get any easier than that go ahead and give us a subscribe watch some of the videos join the hate that we've been getting which is what we're going to get to now so we did the premier league show uh what we're of like previews we're going in alphabetical order so we did the first five teams so first thing i want to talk about is that because the one we did and then we released the same video team by team so that you know if you didn't care about what we thought about Bournemouth and just on brantford you could just watch that so our villa video kind of grew some legs and went all over the place and the odd thing is we were probably the nicest on Villa mainly due to Gerard you know we talk about like Steven Gerard a lot in terms of you know what he'll be able to do and stuff like that and we got some likes but then we got a typical kind of like a hate thing and I'm gonna come to you on this because you know I'm more like the Turkish scouser uh you are the true American scouser there was a lot of hate about you know getting soccer information that's American based which we'll talk more but I want to kind of like get your initial reaction to that and then I want to kind of like go into it's a bit deeper so what is your initial reaction as an American I'm just going to be the foreigner on this podcast uh which I get offended as well obviously because we are here and we're doing it from here It's not like I can travel back to Turkey and do the show from Turkey. It's quite a commute to go back and forth. Uh, But what is your like initial reaction as an American? When you see that, when the information you give is deemed not credible only because of your passport.
1: Well, I mean, when it's deemed um, uncredible based on, you know, my origin, I would basically, you know, give them the double birds and kind of laugh at them. If they deem it, now incredible purely because they think I'm full of shit I'd probably give it a like and a subscribe so the truth be told I I don't mind the hate I'm I've been a a avid follower of of sports radio sports media I'm on Twitter um you don't get to make opinions and have people always agree so that to me really doesn't bother me at all what does bother me is the fact that, you know, they constantly try to just slam the American thing into it. And for me, that is really something that just gets more and more irritating. And I'm not really sure why where you live has any bearing. And I think the idea that they like to just say, you know, you come from a land where Soccer doesn't exist or, you know, you you have no football IQ because your country has no football knowledge. I mean, that doesn't really bode well or make sense to me either.
0: I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, when the comments come in and, you know, when we do this, uh, we do this here on Facebook, on YouTube or whatever, you're going to have to get used to the hate. Not everybody's going to love you. Uh, actually, the haters are usually louder than the people who like you. It's just kind of like part of the ordeal. It is what it is. You kind of get used to it after a while. you got to kind of grow some thick skin and ignore that stuff. I guess my thing is, and it kind of goes back to when I way back first started American Scouser, uh, one of the things I was thinking of was you know when we were coming up with the name i wanted something more unique to liverpool that's where like the american scouser thing came from and let's face it and you know it. i mean you joined us later uh as we were like growing the site but especially initially we got a ton of hate for that uh you know people saying we were americans so we didn't know what we were, you know, talking about. We didn't know what it meant and stuff like that. And then, of course, you know, Kostas comes in second day. He's Greek scouser and everybody's cool with that. So I think that kind of like overtime established. And now it's become, I think, when you put the American name on there, because I think Americans overall... So I'm going to play the Devil's advocate over here and you tell me what you think. I think Americans overall have been kind of like... Not, I don't. This thing is probably not the right word, but kind of like looking down on soccer, talking down soccer for so long. I think for fans of the sport, it's almost like a uphill battle. It feels like, doesn't it?
1: Sure. And I think anytime you need to look for validation or get credibility, that that can come into play. I don't think that you do that to a bunch of guys who are obviously care enough to put together a program and try to edit it and clip it and put it out there. Uh, We're not the haters. Uh, We're giving up our free time to talk about football and, you know, in some ways talk about, you know, Aston Villa giving time and energy to that. So for me, I don't really know why they would be so frustrated, but I do love the fact that it garnished you know, eight or nine comments, some in disdain. And then there were some Villa fans getting on the folks for that mentality and almost saying like, give these guys a break. Who cares what team they support? If they're talking about Villa, it's good for Villa. So, um, you know, I'm a big firm believer when you're in this type of industry, whether it's a volunteer passion project or you're getting paid, you want 50% of the people to like you, 50% of the people to hate you. And then a hundred percent of the people don't change the channel. So, uh, welcome back Villa fans, come back, check us out. And even if you don't, um, whatever you did to make that video hit 750 views in less than a week, we appreciate you and keep it up. Yeah. It must've gotten
0: shared saying like, look at these bulls or something like that, but it would, you know, like who cares, like how it got shared and stuff. And yeah, like you said, there were some people saying, you know, why the negative comments, because the facts were facts. Uh Boss is very confused because he missed the beginning of the yeah he says i need to catch up yeah <laughs> uh, out of our like youtube tv channel uh our preview show of villa that's what we're talking about like the reaction it got out of all the other videos we've done so far and so how to change that i guess is like the biggest thing because after that you know like my initial battle was establishing Website with the name Scouser in there, kind of explaining why we call that and what we mean. Because when we say American, we don't mean by passport either. Because, like, I'm Turkish. I actually could be American, just too lazy to do the paperwork. I've been here forever. So it's just a matter of doing paperwork. I think just too freaking lazy to go and take tests and stuff like that. That's just not me. But, um, so it was more about like the whole concept of being like Scouser, like being a Liverpool fan. You know, people were kind of like bad on that. The second part became fighting the American thing. I think that's where we're at right now. So what, how does that change? Do you think it's just a matter of like time in terms of more interest as the league grows and people kind of get used to the fact that Americans are more and more warming up to the sport?
1: Well, first off, let's get something straight. You haven't done all that. Not just cause you hate paperwork. Cause there's a very good chance you're not passing that goddamn test. Um, I'll hard guarantee can't be. you, I, hard can't be. I, I'll guarantee this. I'm not passing that test and I've been here for 44 <laughs> years. Okay. And I did good in us history, but that shit was a long ass time ago. So ask me who, you know, X, Y, and Z was, and I'm probably getting most of that shit wrong. And I'm, you know, in the way this country is being run these days, I might volunteer to be something else, but different topic for a different Ted talk, right? Um, how do we change it? How do we improve it? Well, I think it is happening. I know you love to poke fun in the Discord channel. Uh, gentle plug there to anyone not involved in the Discord channel. Get in there and come banter with us. Um, you know, you love to poke some fun at the folks who do engage in the MLS and really enjoy it and and talk about the level of play. And I know you have serious concerns about where it's at. It has greatly improved over the 25 years that it has been in existence. And its coverage has improved more than than even the play on the pitch, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is, is I think we have gotten away from the days of ESPN trying to cookie cut the MLS into being another baseball or another basketball or covered like other American sports are. And You know, they they tried to have a clock that ran down. They tried to have overtime, right? The only thing that they've really not broken away from is playoffs and pro-rel. And I think we've talked that to nauseam. It's not going to happen anytime soon here. But I do think the product on the pitch and having youth academies has helped. It's gotten younger people into the sport. And I think that there's a younger um, attitude about getting fun, engaging lower level soccer, you know, in my area, Hartford put in a team that has got a really great rabid supporters base, you know, little old Ludlow has their own USL two team, which for a town their size to have a a stadium that holds 50% of the town, and they all show up on match nights, there is some love for the sport here. But I genuinely really think it's going to come down to Just more and more time. But let's be honest. The English don't give the Italians respect for how they cover the game. The English believe the game was created there, was started there, and anything that doesn't come from there is nothing but trash. Just like the way they talk about the Premier League. So for me, if little old American Scouser is picking up English hate for its American coverage, (laughs) I'll take being American all day long. Put me on the list of things England hates. Yeah, you're
0: lucky Bickler's in here because talking about Major League Soccer hates, he is like, you know, leading the charge with a pitchfork in in hand. Uh, I'm more kind of like in the middle in terms of like the quality. I think the quality has a long way to go. And what I don't like about how Major League Soccer overall goes about it is, I think they should focus more on building the culture and the players that are kind of like coming in is going to be a part of that i know you know sometimes getting these old guys maybe in their you know way past their prime to somebody like us who watch them in their prime and can appreciate that it might not be as fun to watch but i think it does kind of like get more interest in the game and i think overall that's what it's going to take i when i read those comments and when i see you know in general like like a negative view about how american soccer is viewed i mean i can kind of understand that and i think it's going to take a lot more time because it would be like i don't know like me with a couple of other turkish dudes doing like a baseball podcast and talking shit about the red sox so let me so let's put you in the flip position like what would your approach to that be obviously every person is different but if you saw something like that I mean, if you saw him on a fucking baseball podcast, we are going to call 911 for you anyway because you'll probably have a heart attack. But let's say you saw two, two random Turkish dudes talking baseball, maybe like talking shit about your Red Sox. Like what, as an American baseball fan, Red Sox fan, what is your like initial reaction? An honest so I think,
1: reaction? Yeah, I I, I think I'm going to obviously probably make a comment and a joke. I don't think I'm going to rip on you for being Turkish, though. I think I'm probably going to ask, like, why the Red Sox? Like, like honestly, like, what makes you a Red Sox fan? Or, or what's your reasoning here? I, I just don't think I would ever go to that petty level with anyone and be like, oh, you're from Canada. You must be a hockey fan, eh? Like, I, I wouldn't do it. I just, it seems cliche It seems kind of overdone. And listen, there are a lot of ways to insult me. And hell, I insult myself 90% of the time. But, you know, yeah, the the Turkish talking baseball has just got me thinking about like like the old talking baseball video game. But putting your Turkish voice on it and stuff, Um, it would be... Absolutely awesome. But honestly, there should be a rule against bringing up the Red Sox any weekend after they get drubbed by the New York Yankees and I have to listen to it all weekend long because I may not watch the sport anymore like I used to, but I still can't avoid it living in western Massachusetts. And uh, so no more Red Sox, no more baseball talk for the next 45 minutes on this podcast. Yeah, I'll
0: try my best uh, to avoid baseball. It'll be a fight, I'm
1: sure. (laughs)
0: speaking of stereotypes Boy says i bet to which makes a mean kebab which you know is the ultimate stereotype mind you uh, but to answer that uh, i actually did i am getting better and better at it. i did suck at it uh, but when you can't get it in the regular place you kind of have to meanwhile Ellen walnut says i did it two years ago and got my citizenship so congratulations there Uh, If you have your study guide, just mail it over to me because I might need it pretty soon. So let's go back to Major League Soccer because I think that is probably key, right, to kind of like improving the overall how it's viewed. And I think that's one of the biggest things I like about some of these guys going to Europe because I think it kind of increases the value of the league as more more and more players from here go there and hopefully be successful um what is the key to that you think I mean is that like how do they get major league soccer to improve in overall standings I think uh one in the comments it was like a billion dollar evaluation or uh actually Boz was saying it's like the eighth most expensive league in the fall in the world which is really like that's crazy uh to be honest with you because the quality is not there for the money right? Or is it just... I mean, I understand what you're saying in terms of the improvements, but if I said... I mean, would you have guessed it's the eighth most, for example?
1: I I would because of... of, That's a monetary valuation. True. So, we're talking, one, they have 32 teams, not 20. So, you have 12 more teams to add into the total. But more importantly, you have billionaires that bought these teams, many of them, as tax write-offs, for the profits that they make on their NFL teams or their baseball teams. So, you know, I hate saying it as a guy who lives here in new England, you know, I would love a soccer own soccer specific stadium. They could have one outside of Worcester. They could have one in Boston. They would bring in great groups of ethnic supporters, put it on the T line. You'd have college kids, but it's never going to happen because the crafts already own a super sports mecca complex that the Patriots play in. And they can just put them in the stupid football stadium and call it a sold out arena with three quarters of the stadium, you know, under tarp. And it's, it's a terrible experience. It's an awful overall experience. If you go down to Yankee stadium and you watch New York city FC, it's disgusting. It's one of the worst views I've ever seen of a football match, but you cross the bridge and you go into New Jersey and you go see one at Red Bull stadium or you go down to Atlanta. And I think you're, seeing football with an atmosphere at a level that rivals places in Europe, whether we like to actually admit that or not, they have big time supporters groups, they have real fans. So I think that that's what we need. We need higher coverage of the great places like Kansas city and Portland, more television of Portland versus Seattle and LA versus LA, you know, bring in the rivalries and the derbies that have made football so important in, in England and in other parts of the world, with El Clasico and you know and the the great German derbies that they have, I just think that that's what breeds generational fans, and that will change the perception. And I think that's
0: part of the problem. Of Major League Soccer is the number of teams and how it gets watered down as they add more teams. But I think you make an excellent point of how you know every I guess franchise team, whatever you want to call them kind of like handles it differently and therefore creates a different atmosphere i mean you know being in chicago chicago fire especially now that they moved it back to the social field from bridgeview the toyota park in bridgeview it's exactly like you're saying i mean it's like a huge stadium with the third of it full everything else is covered it's hard to get an atmosphere uh when we were in austin you know we went to Austin's you know own soccer stadium uh shout out to the guys in the Liverpool Sporter Club in Austin by the way Stephen there and Michael Iman, you know, all those guys uh and they were like very hospitable and it was like an excellent experience and it was a preseason game so i'm assuming you know during the season but even for a preseason game it was quite the atmosphere and like my wife and i were like wow this is almost as close to being a soccer game in Europe as possible. So I think in terms of, you know, how each city handles, and I think it helps that when there is no pro team, that team, like, you know, the soccer one becomes the main focus of the city. Because some of these cities are just more like college towns, if you will, like their main mm-hmm. team is, a you know, like a college team. I think that kind of helps because it gets that attention, whereas it can kind of get lost in some of those other cities. But I think less number of teams... I think would help. I know it's not the American model and everything, but I think it would improve the quality overall.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. Less, but I'll honestly say this, and um I believe every single sports league in America would be greatly improved with four less teams. Every one of them. I think the NBA is a better product if you gave me four less of every two players on a roster. Major League Baseball, there's no question the game's saturated. Like, the, I honestly think they've almost extended, and every single commissioner would tell you in the next five years their plan is to have two to four more teams in each sport because there's more money in it and there's more TV contracts. You know, for all the people, and I do agree with Boaz, um, some of the points he's making over in, in our chat for those who are following us online. Um, but there's there's a little bit I call out on it is that you know, we can bring in the players. You can bring in the big names, the Ronaldos, the Suarez's, these guys. But I really believe where, where the MLS started to get it right was, was they started scooping up some of the South American talent, the young South American players that maybe weren't good enough to get over to Europe yet. But at 18, 19, when they come here and play, you know, um, you know the Almiron kid is a good example of it. That player got into MLS became a household name and then got himself a big money move to Newcastle. And, you know, he isn't every Newcastle fans, you know, favorite player, but the kid has earned his transfer. He's earned his minutes. He's played now for three different managers because he works hard and he's proven he can play in Europe. And I think that's important for the league. I think the league should be proud of being a feeding sellers league. And I think that's not the American way, but I think that's how you'll gain the respect of the foreign supporter and the foreign fan as far as the league goes when our exports show up in Europe and start to succeed.
0: I agree. A couple of things in the comments that I want to respond to. Uh, Alan Walnut says, would it help if the national teams were to play all their home games at a specific stadium, kind of like England does in Wembley? I think that's kind of a lot more difficult here because there's a lot of history that goes to that and i realized they redid wembley and everything but there's that you know it is special for the players to play there i don't think there is such a stadium like that right now in the u.s maybe over time you kind of need history to make that special but i want to kind of come back to this point and uh, Boy says the real american can't stand soccer they need to average three to five goals a game for americans to reconsider See, this is an argument that I've, over the years, have gotten to it. And after a while, I've given up and said, if you don't like it, sucks to be you. If you can watch baseball and, you know, a pitch every freaking, you know, I know you didn't want to come back to baseball, but you know I'm going to come back there. I mean, if you want to watch guys scratch this, scratch that, if you're okay with that amount of action and where there's a pitch every freaking, like, one minute and you're watching more like spitting and scratching than the game, but then complain about soccer not having scoring. And here's the thing, like you can kind of look at football even, and I know they changed the rules, so he probably does have a point. If you look at NFL, they've changed the rules to get more scoring because that's what people, or at least that's what they think people want. But if you think about it, if you just count the touchdowns, if there wasn't a consolation prize like a field goal that obviously soccer does not have, there wasn't as much scoring until they made it so that's, cornerbacks can't even sneeze next to a wide receiver and things like that so what do you say for that i mean do you think that's a big factor like the scoring is an american let's say i mean red listen sox, the- let me bring red sox into it again let's say red sox had like yeah. a pitching duel where guys just throw pitches over and over again with no scoring i mean people still watch that is that considered a bad game in baseball
1: Nah, so the first thing is to to answer all this the first part of this is is there aren't that many more people nationally watching baseball games than there are soccer matches, to be totally honest. When you look at the ratings, baseball is sliding down the scale and soccer is quickly catching and and moving past hockey and moving into the fourth major sport here in this country. But nobody wants to hear that because hockey is really a marginalized regional sport played in small pockets throughout the country and then played in random places like Phoenix that should never have had a hockey team, right? Um, I apologize, VJ. I know how much you love your Dallas Stars. (laughs) But they don't deserve a hockey team either. Send them back to Minnesota. But the, um, the, the real part of it is is the Premier League, the, the NBC Sports or NBC spent the third largest amount of American TV money ever to secure the Premier League rights. So clearly there is a market and a method for the growth, right? Like that is coming. Yes, BJ, they don't deserve teams there either. But you shouldn't have a baseball team either in Tampa. I think they're in St. Pete. Well, um,
0: to be fair, we shouldn't have a baseball team anywhere, but go ahead.
1: It's a good point. <laughs> Should have just ended that sport. You know, it's just been played since you just know, the 1800s. But, but the, um, you know, it, it, it really comes down to, I, I don't buy that they need three to five goals. I do think they need good coverage. And I think that's what's been improved, and I think that's why we have seen the numbers go up on viewers in the United States. You know, long gone are the days of the old ESPN, two cameras. You know, you could never see the angles, so you really got no real view of the players. Um, The the big baggy shirts, you couldn't even, like, see the guys or who they were, and they were just kind of, like, running up and down. I always equate it watching soccer or watching football in the 80s here in the United States. It was like basically stealing porn. It was like grainy, you know, mixed messages. You were like hitting the button on the remote, trying to get up and down the channels to like pick it up. And it was true. It was like fixing the rabbit ears on top of the roof. Um, and it, it felt that way you had to have, you know, you stole it off some random channel. It came to you in a, a language you didn't even understand, let alone Spanish. And nowadays you can get football on five different streaming sources. I mean, I go to a pub every once in a while, midday swing in, see my buddies. And there is a football match being streamed on some channel on a fire stick. Every minute of every day. So I do think it's getting here. I just think, to Alan's point, I'll say this. I think the national team, the U.S. men's national team, at times when it has been on the improvement, on the ascendancy, you know, maybe 2014 as we went to Brazil and we were in a tough group and we got out of it and we played the tough match against Belgium and it looked like they might actually squeak it out, right? That team, I felt like under Klinsman with some of the foreign players and our players succeeding overseas, as much as you hate Dempsey, but with him and Donovan and names people knew, I think that was starting to build a little bit of positive momentum here in the States. And I think not making the World Cup and failing the way they did against literally a country the size of Rhode Island. I mean, Rhode Island people. Um, I think that set us back probably a decade in this country, and it probably attributed to the hate mail and the hate comments I received on Facebook. And for that, <laughs> one more reason I say screw you, Bruce Arena. No, I think that's an excellent point about the national team.
0: I think them doing better because uh, we've seen it in like the women's side too. You know, because I think when it is in a national. I think even the casual fan who might not, you know, the casual American who doesn't, who doesn't care about, you know, soccer because it's international against other countries. will watch it. We'll root for it. We'll be more invested in it. Heck as a, you know, I mean, I know as a Turkish dude, uh, used to watch freaking weightlifting, for God's sakes. And that is not a lot of fun, people. Uh, it's pretty darn close to baseball. Uh, but <laughs> in terms of level of excitement, but hey, you know, when there's something going on, like you're going against different countries and stuff like that, you know, there's a medal, blah, 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 in state, you get to watch. And I think you're right. If that, if because the, the, while those rivalries and stuff like that, like in the cities was good, I think, you know, the men's team almost like multiplies that by 10 compared to like anything that you're going to get in major league soccer in terms of attention and you know it's not like everybody has to like it I mean we kind of like joke around but I mean when I came here to the US for college way back in the day I mean like five years ago or so you know uh, (laughs) you know (laughs) you know I Looked into, uh, see, yeah, it says, don't forget Turkish wrestling, says Alan. Yes, that's another joy to watch. Actually, Greco-Roman is boring as hell. The freestyle is not too shabby. But anyway, um, you know, I didn't know much about hockey, uh, definitely nothing about NFL, and definitely nothing about uh, baseball to me it was like crickets with cricket with helmets kind of a thing going in my head my first game and you know I learned a lot about both of them and I joke a lot about baseball not liking it despising it sadly I know a lot about it I just don't like it I mean it's just kind of like a taste you either like it or you don't sometimes you know like the culture you grew up in what you played when you were a kid all those are like factors in it and I like more and more kids are playing soccer now for example that's another huge factor but I I love football I mean I love how complicated it is and you know like the all the new nuances and stuff like that hockey I find it similar to soccer in some ways in terms of like the passing the setting up triangles and things like that so it's interesting and it's fast-paced but it's an acquired I mean not everybody has to like it I have confidence just based on the things you're saying as well in terms of like the NBC's numbers and stuff the audience is growing the interest is growing and I think you know, as you watch more and more major like like Premier League and like getting these like on like, ESPN, NBC and stuff like that, the different leagues, exposing people to maybe quality soccer and like how involved it is kind of like might help. Or do you think it will also hurt in some ways when you have something like the Premier League where everybody watches? It's almost like watching the NFL and then going and watching Canadian football does that kind of still improve Canadian football for you or actually it makes it worse if you take that as major league soccer?
1: Well, I I think it's tough. It is tough. Like Kelly, Kelly is a good example, right? Kelly being a neutral, my wife, um, for anyone who's only tuned into this week's podcast, because she makes an appearance by name every week for some reason. Um, But Kelly, Kelly got into the sport because of me and got much deeper into it in the last five, six years. And, now is a fairly knowledgeable football fan basically cause I make her watch so much of it. But anytime we try to watch the, and some, I turn on like a revs game later on in Saturday night, she's like, no, we watched six hours of Premier league football this morning. I can't go watch college football now. Like I'm not, I wouldn't watch an NFL game and then go see UMass play UConn. Right? Like we wouldn't do that. Cause it's just two steps slower. That that said, you know, believe it or not, in England, they stream MLS matches. Now, it's difficult for them because of the time difference. But believe it or not, they have enormous ratings and like a huge clamor for it. And it's not just the ex-players. They like the actual difference of how the game is and that there are some nuances to the league. And I think the way they do some things... People love football, and what it shows is if someone's up at 2 o'clock in the morning in England and wants to watch a live football match, they'll watch an MLS game because there's nothing else on. And I I think that that actually shows that the league is getting some credibility to the fact that it's followed with reporters and they talk about the young players we're getting more English players from like championship and lower levels being sent here on loan, which I think proves that they're starting to respect the recruitment and the academies and um, the actual tactics that are happening here. And, you know, we can poke fun at it. Wayne Rooney deciding to come here to take his next head coaching position when he was offered some good championship level jobs is a good thing for the MLS. It's a good thing for, you know Washington he probably should have checked the newspapers and saw they lost seven nothing the week before uh before taking that job but i i do actually think like these are positives for the league um you know players coming over like Gareth Bale doesn't hurt either let's be honest
0: i think so it just it like increases the interest i think if nothing else i mean i'm a soccer junkie i'm going to watch it if it's on so if i was in england at that time of day, if that's the only soccer on TV, if I turn it on Major League Soccer, I watch, you know, there are times, one thing I realized, and I've kind of fixed it during COVID when we did not have any sports, I was like, holy shit, I watch a lot of sports because I had so much extra time on my hands. But in the mm-hmm. past, yeah, I would like my default, you go to the thing, you search sports, soccer, unfortunately, they made it kind of like too freaking easy to find it. And whatever game it is, I mean, I'll watch like college games, division, one, whatever it is, because it's soccer. I love the game. I mean, I grew up with the game. This guy right here. Oh, I guess this guy right here. Uh, my grandfather, I always talk about him. He's like one of the legends of Farabache. Uh, my girls right underneath played. I played. My wife played. That's kind of how we met in college. So we're like a soccer family. It's like kind of in the bloodstream. So I'm going to watch it. But I think for like a regular fan, I think those names will help in terms of just getting interest, just to turn it on. And then once you turn it on, you got to start somewhere. Every fan has to start somewhere, kind of like how somebody becomes a Liverpool fan. Michael Martin, who's actually also on the Discord channel, fighting the good fight for the Major League Soccer, mind you, uh, against people like Bickler, uh, says uh, he's pro-MLS, product at the stadium, and on TV has improved year over year, except for Taylor Twelman. What a gem he is. Uh, That's another thing. I think the quality of the, or maybe everybody comes across annoying in some of these channels, but uh, constantly comparing it to the PL, it will never measure up. And I think that, like I say, it's unfair to compare it to. I'm just saying somebody who watches Premier League Saturday morning, when they turn it on at like 6 PM and it's, I don't know, Nashville taking on Kansas or something like that. I don't know. It's hard. uh, It is like, it's going to be a big deal, but at the same time, it might be interesting to see the difference as it develops because it has gotten better. But so we will continue to make the videos in American Scouser TV and then see how much more hate we can get. I think over time, it is going to be a gradual thing. If Turkey suddenly got good in baseball, my podcast on baseball in Turkish might pick up too. Uh, So it's kind of like the same thing. I think over time, you're right. It's going to, because compared to 20 years ago, I think it's night and day, like the amount of attention and respect the game gets in the US compared to when I first got here is definitely night and day. Mind you, that's been way over 20 years, but you, you know what I mean. So let's get back to the topic on hand. Let's get back to our boys. We can't save YouTube comments. So let's get back to the boys. So we had two preseason games, kind of like odd to kind of like take a look at it and make a call on anything Uh, what was your biggest takeaway like having seen the two games i don't know if you got to watch them in full or highlights or whatever but what is your biggest takeaway out of those games
1: i I mean i think i said it to you earlier i might have posted it in the discord chat um to me the united matchup was just a tale of two different sides taking two different approaches at a preseason friendly right united had a reason to show up play strong players And the manager is literally running the ruler over every single player to see who stacks up, who doesn't, who fits where and what the pecking order is. No question, no issue there. And if I were a United fan, I'd be happy that 10 hog took it that way. Yeah. As a Liverpool supporter, we basically treated that match as three 30 minute training sessions. And that's exactly what it was littered with some nice touches, some great opportunities. Um, for everyone but Ox. And more importantly than anything, a whole shit ton of mistakes. So in the United match, um, I hate to do this, but I think you got to call out the heroes of two years ago, right? Uh, Nat Phillips was absolutely dreadful. Uh, if Bournemouth was watching that, hopefully more than the three people who viewed our recap of Bournemouth, um, <laughs> Well played Bournemouth fans. Well played. Yeah, at least you going get hate mail,
0: so you got to thank that. <laughs> Bring
1: the hate. You can't get hate when only three people looked at it. Um, so, you know, but Nat Phillips was just absolutely brutal on both of them. Left the, you know, the young uh, right back out to dry. Classic scenario. I don't even know the guy's name, but I know one thing. He's really good going forward and defends like shit. Um and he had a tough afternoon in 30 minutes. They concede two goals there. Reese was so soft on the third goal, letting Marcial bully him off the ball. Um, you know, really tough. But what can you say? Diaz was lively. He was all over the pitch. I thought Carvalho was really good at times. You know, should have scored. Diaz hits the woodwork and then fluffs his lines on the ball uh, that Carvalho hit the woodwork on. So, you know... On a different day, a couple of those go in for Liverpool, and I think it's two-two at the half, and we're all kind of laughing about it. But for nothing to United always stings. I don't care what the scenario is.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think it was it was too big of a deal. I think some fans made it too big of a deal because it was United. Like if it was any other team, if we we're playing it, you know, if it was the Crystal Palace game. I don't think anybody would have cared. And you know, it, because it was United, it kind of like rubbed people off the wrong way. I mean, my freaking brother was a United fan, could not keep care less that they won. He was exactly like, oh, when the freaking season starts, you know. So I think the logical fan knew that it really did not mean anything. I, I think logical fan knows none of the games on preseason really, for the most part, mean anything. It was kind of hard to tell. I, I mean, like when I saw Phillips and stuff out there, I thought, you know, hey, maybe you know, the good performance will bring the price up. That really freaking backfired on that one, but uh, if you have, if you had to pick one player that really stuck out to you, and you were like, "Man, I'm glad to see this," give me like the biggest positive that you saw. In
1: in both matches or in just the United uh, match? It's just in general, just take both
0: games. Like over the two games, what is like your biggest? Ah, I really like that a player. Something you see
1: yeah i i think i think harvey is ready to take a step forward into big boy status in the first team 11. like i think harvey will be a borderline starter to impact sub in every big match we play and i think he'll at if he develops into a match winner this early in his career then we could have a real real gem the other one um carvalho is what he was made out to be he's not one for the future in my opinion he is for the now Uh, he looks every, all the comparisons to Bobby, he looks like a different form of Bobby with his little intricate touches and his intelligent movement. And then lastly, I'm not worried about Nunez, but I've always said this, you know, I would have rather him scored five goals in two than have, you know, six big misses in two. I'm not worried about it, but for his sake, I hope he bags one against Leipzig even if the ball bounces off his face and goes into the net just to get him off the snide and just have it start going in the positive. Because I think in a player's mind, the further this goes, the harder it will be. But for me, Elliot one, Carvalho two, not worried about Nunez. Calm down the hype.
0: Yeah, I agree with Elliot. I thought he was very lively, and you can kind of see the – The elliot we saw beginning of last year as opposed to when he first came back from like the injury because he was not totally himself uh carvalho i think has like a lot more room to grow i don't know if you're gonna see much of him make an impact at least in the beginning because i think defensively he still has a lot to go there were some areas where you could see he was lost in terms of where to press, where to go, and stuff like that. You could just see those, but I think that's yeah. kind of like part of the learning curve, and that's why they do these preseasons so they can go back and watch and like fix those things. But yeah, to me, he looks like a cross between Bobby and Coutinho, in terms of you know like some of the things he does on the field with the agility and evasiveness that you know, continue had in like tight spaces. So it is very nice to see, but going back to that, I was extremely happy to see Bobby and how we played. Cause I mean, you know, Absolutely. me I'm a huge fan of Bobby and I think, you know, he still is going to play a huge role. And I think that will help Nunez, which is the second thing I want to get to. Cause do you think it's obviously everybody's going to talk about it, but most of the, because You know, United fans are going to talk about it because this is a guy they missed out on. He chose us basically over them. But I almost feel like some Liverpool fans, we kind of like go out of our way to like just get too defensive about it, almost like feeding the frenzy, which can't be helping Nunez either. I mean, I think, you know, it's just like it's freaking preseason. Like you're saying, he's going to nail one. Will he go if he goes the entire preseason with no goal? Would it be like, eh? but still, I almost feel like every time I see these posts, I see Liverpool fans almost like going out of their way to be extra defensive to defend the guy that I don't think needs defending right now.
1: Yeah. I, I, oh, this is the problem, right? There's half of the Liverpool supporters that are ready to already question whether he can live up to the transfer fee. And with this price tag, this, you know, how he was, you know, he's only worth 35, 40 million. And, you know, and that that's one side of the crazy ass fan base. And then the other side, you know, has to come from the angle that if you're at all, if it, Trolls are going to troll people. Like, the, you just let them go. Yeah. You don't comment. You don't reply. You don't build into it. Now, do I wish he hadn't fallen for the trap on social media to start apologizing for big misses this early? I'd like to hear him be like, what the hell's wrong with you? It was a training sure. session. Like, but he's 22 years old and he just moved here from another country and barely speaks the language. So if he's going to respond poorly to a social media post while traveling through the, you know, the Middle East on a on an Asian tour, or I'm sorry, through the through Asia on a on a world tour in the summer, you know, I, I do what a young man has to do in Bangkok to get by. You know, because I know this. 23-year-old galley in Bangkok would have gotten more trouble than replying to trolls on social media had he been given a night out uh, by himself with the boys. So, uh, you know, I just think that the kid needs to just be himself. And I do think he's going to be slowly bed in. And I, I too, was very, very pleased with how Bobby played. And one thing I will say, I I thought Gomez looked lively in the minutes he had – you know, you could see that he's still getting his legs under him in fitness. And I also thought Sepp looked really, really good playing alongside Virgil in the second half yesterday or the other day with, against Crystal Palace. Um, which, to the comments we've been talking about, maybe leads to him getting a loan somewhere that either secures a bigger fee or who knows. Maybe maybe the kid has a chance to be a fourth or fifth center back someday at Liverpool. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that, but I, I thought there were some good positives from the youngsters, but I think in the end of the day, it was about the injuries. And for me, that's the only concern, you know, five, six, first team players not fit enough to train is scary when we're on July 18th.
0: Yeah, I, I think the part that scares me, for example, what happened with Jota is like the hamstring ones are the worst just because, you know, you don't want to rush him back. And when you do rush him back, you kind of go back to square one. Anybody who's had a hamstring injury knows that, you know, if you don't give it time, obviously these guys get a lot better, better treatment than, you know, we ever did for hamstring injuries. But you yeah. know, if you come back from it too soon, you just go back to square one. It's not like, you know, it pushes for another week. You almost go back all the way back to square one. Uh, speaking of hamstring injuries, uh the great opportunity that Ox had went down the drain. I'm assuming that is your kind of biggest disappointment too, not in terms of performance, but in terms of outcome.
1: Yeah, just having an injury of any kind. You know, obviously I've been a proponent that Ox should leave for himself, for the club, for everybody involved, you know, basically for this podcast, <laughs> for, the for our everyone. listeners, for the viewers, for everyone, everyone. <laughs> It's time, Um, but I didn't, you know, I mean, it's, it's put, you know, Jota being out through at least the community shield. And now they're saying most likely week one. And if they're already ruling him out for August six, you probably means he's going to be out for most of August, Um, which, Hey, if you're going to miss some time, miss it at the beginning of the season when the majority of the other players are all fit and not when three or four other guys are on the shelf, I guess, uh, is one way to look at it. That one makes me a little bit nervous, and until I see Allison and his beautiful, you know, bearded self in the net, I'm worried because Kelleher's not available, and that means Adrian plays. Okay. Hey man, what's and it, wrong with Adrian? Uh, Adrian? The last meaning, the last meaningful match he played, we got knocked out of the Champions League after he threw the yeah. ball out of the net twice and back into it. He was an eleven-game one-hit wonder you know, and uh, it's like that guy that goes out with some girl for six months and then she's he, she breaks up with him and he's like, but we had a six great months. And she was like, <laughs> we had a one-night stand that lasted six months, man. That's basically Adrian's period with us. There was that period at the beginning of that season when Allison was hurt. And since then, it has been the Adrian that West Ham fans know and love. And well, they don't love.
0: Yeah, I think his value... The Good feeling soldier. I get is his value is more off the field, behind the scenes. Absolutely. That's why he's there. Uh, Michael Martin says, sad for Ox, but did anyone really expect anything out of him this campaign? So I will answer that question, shall I? Uh, I will... <laughs> I. I think of it as I keep trying to, you know, like like that movie scene where, you know, like their best friend dies. He's been shot like 15 times and the guy next to him is like, come back. You can't go. And then there's a guy over there that says he's gone, man. Just let him go. <laughs> I'm the guy I feel like that's me. I'm trying to
1: bring him back and you're the guy saying he's dead. Just let him go. <laughs> yeah, we got to go here. We got to go. I'm the guy pulling on you in the fire going like, you're going to die too. You have children. Let Ox go.
0: I keep trying to bring the Ox back from that season. And and I also thought, you know, the 4-2-3-1, if he stays, that center role would fit him if we played that. Uh, he could play any of the three, but especially in the center, I thought he could be effective with his ability to kind of like drive at people and stuff. But man, I mean, knowing how, Kind of deep we are in that spot, especially you know, with Elliott and Carvalho playing the way they are, and now they'll be getting more preseason, more
1: playing time,
0: while Ox is getting more treatment time. So hey, that can't be voting well for him.
1: Don't don't forget either Tyler Morton is practicing in the eight these eight days. Spots. So I mean, just look out, people. Jürgen Klopp, the same guy who tells us that no one has set positions and we don't play with nines or tens and everybody does their job and everybody has a role here, is now telling us he's playing as he's not only a good six as a backup, he's also practicing as an eight. You should see him train as an eight. I like it how the Klopp most garbage said that, like like he wasn't controlling that. Like he plays right.
0: eight now. Like, like like He showed up at a game and Morton was playing eight. He's like, he plays eight now. What does this happen? Or he just, like he that. just
1: showed up. He just showed up, picked up Kade's jersey, put it on, and was like, I am number 8 Boy, <laughs> yeah. number eight.
0: That is definitely kind of not a good deal for Ox. That's for sure. That's eight spots or whatever spot that he was going to have. I guess I will leave him on the battlefield and keep moving at this point. But So we have two games coming up before we... Face City on the 30th. Um, What do you expect out of these two? One of them is on the 21st. Uh, the other one almost feels like too close to the, the Community Shield game being on the 27th. Do you kind of expect more of the same where we tried out different rosters and kind of like do training sessions? Or do you expect at one
1: point to see more
0: resemblance of a starting eleven that he has in mind?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if Thursday at Leipzig um, – is it Leipzig or is it is it uh, Salzburg? Uh, one, the first they're...
0: one is Leipzig, it's the Red Bull Tour. Uh, the first one is Leipzig on the 21st, 27th is Salzburg. All
1: right, so I think against Leipzig, we might see a closer look at what is going to start against City. I genuinely think he's going to go pretty strong against City. But I think he's gonna start with the four three three, which makes me think it'll be Bobby Moe and 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 uh Diaz up top. And then, you know, it'll be the traditional probably Fabinho, Henderson, Tiago, and then the back four. And, you know, I guess we can answer Alan's question if we're gonna throw out the lineup. I think it will be Kanate starting to start the season, at least in the driver's seat for that starting role, based on how he performed at the end of last season and what he offers both as a goal threat uh, and his pace in the changing of the formations. But again, you know, huge mistake against United. Trying to come forward, he leaves a bunch. You know, he tries to play a through ball in. He leaves a ton of space behind, and because of it, it leads to I think the fourth goal by the 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 young Uruguayan kid, the Palestri, who does look like a little player. United had a couple good little youth players there. I thought when the subs came in, Um, outshined all the dead wood that they have in their starting eleven, which was always fun to watch. Again, it's going to be great to watch another manager literally just go up in flames there and this one won't even be able to complain that it made him go bald because he doesn't have any hair to start
0: (laughs) i can attest for that um so yeah it's going to be interesting just imagine the hate we get when we do the preview for the manchester teams uh in the youtube tv channel so wow well yeah i agree though i think like we will see more starters maybe go in the first game and uh, not as much against Salzburg in the second game. But I don't think we ever will see, you know, close to what we would normally get as like a starting 11. I thought it was actually almost odd to like the starting 11 trotting out there with one kid. They're like, come on, kids, we're going out there, like the starting 11 kind of deal. And uh, I don't know if we're going to see it as much of a thing. It's so hard to make anything out of the preseason games and you just got to take it. You know, so I do agree, though, what you were saying earlier. I think it is. It would be good, not crucial, but definitely good for a psyche. Sounds like if Nunez gets one in one way or the freaking other, uh, just to kind of shut people up and clear his head and play his game. I think he will be valuable. It's too early to even tell that. I mean, at the same time, people are already saying, Oh, he's going to be great. I think it's too early to say either way. I mean, you can't just look at the price tag and say, Oh, he's going to be great either. We know what the kid can do, we know his strengths, fast as hell, strong as hell. And he's more of a true number nine. Will his style adjust and fit to us and stuff? These are all things we have to wait and see. Just definitely too early to freak out and see the opposite at the same time. It's preseason, people.
1: Relax. This is what we do, though. I mean, this is what this this is what being part of you know maybe the most loyal and largest worldwide fan base of maybe any sport any team sport in the world, right? Liverpool supporters. And I think there's just something that comes with that. And part of it is, is just putting up with the fact that you have some of the smartest and most wonderful supporters around, and then you have some of the dumbest. And I mean, it's good that the smart ones are here tonight. And, and, you know, Paul's not here to bring down the IQ.
0: He is bringing down the IKEA at the business dinner as we speak. Uh, telling you got to think that his football story is probably.
1: Drinks are probably flowing by now. We're probably a good hour in, hour and a half into that dinner meeting. There's probably been at least one awkward comment and maybe one really good joke that at least two thirds of the table didn't understand. But I will say this I want, I'll send a thank you card to paul's employers for sending him on this business trip and on future business trips if it means we can skip goddamn trivia
0: you know what you're right i actually the funny thing is i got submitted a bunch of trivia for this week's episode so in honor of bigler we'll double up the questions next week for you galley because you will (laughs) have to pay for this you will have to pay for this well Thanks a lot, everybody, for commenting, liking. If you have not done so already, head over to YouTube and subscribe there. bunch of new stuff coming out this week. Like I say, LFC Women, uh, Fantasy Football, as well as our internet-loved team previews out of our Premier League show. See you guys next Monday, hopefully with a sober Bickler. See you guys next week.